Hi everybody, wonderful to see you and uh, those of you joining online as well. If we've not met, I'm Archie and uh, married to Sam and we lead the church together. And what we thought we would do this week and next Sunday is take a couple of weeks to look together afresh at the vision that God has given us as a church. The vision of HTB is to play our part in the evangelization of the nations, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. And as that vision, there are three things that we can all do. First of all, to pray. Please will you join me and Sam in praying regularly, fervently, eagerly, with great anticipation and great perseverance for the evangelization of the nations and the revitalization of the church and the transformation of society. My, my go-to place for this is a touch point that we have every Tuesday morning for half an hour on Zoom. 7.30 every Tuesday, we gather as a church community on Zoom to pray for the vision. This last Wednesday was the beginning of Alpha here at HTB. But as you may remember, Wednesday was also the day that the underground was due to be um, finished because of strikes and also National Rail. Uh, we prayed. And on Tuesday afternoon, the RMT called off the strikes on the London Underground. Just saying. And uh, 350 people were able to get here who otherwise wouldn't have been able to get here. Everybody praying. Everybody serving. So on Wednesday, one of the team who came to help at Alpha, I don't know how we got there really, because although the RMT had called off the underground strikes, Aslef was still striking on National Rail, and he lives out in Purley. But he said that he'd worked from home that day, he'd left work early, he'd got a bus and then a taxi to the last stop on the underground that was working, and then it took him two hours, but at seven o'clock, when the doors opened, he was ready here to serve food. Just one example of some of the extraordinary helping out and giving uh, that happens here. And then everybody giving. Uh, we had this most amazing time on Wednesday. We had Greek food. Uh, we had a performance piece by an artist called Munro. Had production and lights. We had a presentation. Is there more to life than this? And then the small group that I'm helping in. Thank you. The small group that I'm helping in had 18 people in it. One of them said that they hadn't been to church since they were 17 years old. Another woman said that this is the most extraordinary piece of organisation that she's seen, Alpha. And like you... None of this would be possible without our participation as a church. Like you, I cannot think of anything that I would rather do my giving, my money to, than to see hundreds of people becoming Christians this term through Alpha at HTB. Of course, Alpha is just one tiny part of the vision that God's given us. I mean, there's drop-ins for the homeless, there's recovery groups, there's help for people who are in anxiety or divorced and separated, or in bereavement. There's going into the prisons. There's the organisation of kids' ministry and youth ministry. Everywhere you look, there's something that's happening and bubbling as part of the vision. Oh, to see the lonely loved. 
and the relationships restored, the homeless housed, and the streets safe, addictions broken, and the good news and the love of Jesus Christ everywhere. That's our vision. As we look afresh at the vision again, I want to read to you a passage from the Old Testament, the book of Jeremiah. It says this. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. It said, this is what... The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Just by way of background, a little bit of context. Babylon, which is the dominant military power of the age, has crushed an uprising in the nation of Israel, God's people there. And not only have they crushed the rebellion, but they've done something quite clever. They've taken the professional classes and the leaders out of Jerusalem, back home with them to Babylon, figuring that if they can get those people to live in this new city, they will over time lose their sense of who they are, their identity, and that they'll begin to live just like the people who have defeated them. They'll become culturally assimilated. And so that after a number of years, they won't feel the need to rebel any longer because, well, they'll just be living the same. But God is saying to them, this is how I want you to live in this city to which you now find yourself. And I believe that they are the same things that God wants to say to us on this Vision Sunday about how the people of HTB, the church in London, is to live in our city. And so I've called this talk, How to Live Well in London. And I realise not everybody here lives or comes from London. But I hope that you will use this and apply it to wherever it is that you do live. And the first thing is this. Live in London on purpose. It says in verse 1 here, as I said, that Nebuchadnezzar took the leaders and carried them back off to Babylon. But at several verses later in verse 4, it says that God says, it was I who carried you to Babylon. Now this is very confusing. Which is it? Is it social human forces that have brought them to where they are? Or is it God's divine purposes? And the answer is, it's both. Your life in London is not an accident. Sure, your company may have moved you here. You may have happened to have found work here. You came here as a student and you never left. You even chose to live here. 
But God's purposes are behind every move you make. I have carried you, he says. Uh, Years ago, when I was applying to go to university in the UK, I had to make five choices on my application form, but I could only think of four universities where I wanted to go. Unfortunately, all those four rejected me. So I had to go to the fifth one that I only put down to fill up the application form because there was a space I had to. So I went to this university city not wanting to be there as an accident. And in the first term that I was there, I made a really close friend called Simon. And uh, years later, we went in different directions but kept in touch. Uh, We pursued different uh, careers, I guess. And a while later, I changed career and went into the, the church, what I do now, to become a vicar. And actually, Simon, he worked in the charity sector, but then he also decided to get ordained in the Church of England. And 25 years later, after we'd met, Sam and I were living in Brighton, and we had an opportunity to send out a church plant along the south coast to Hastings. And we scratched our heads to think, who could we possibly ask to lead this church? And then we remembered Simon who was looking to lead a church at that time. So we asked him. And I've often looked back because maybe it wasn't such an accident that I ended up in that university city. Because if I hadn't, I'd have never met Simon and that plant would never have happened in that way. Last Sunday, I met a student whose first weekend it was in London last weekend, and her first Sunday here at HTB. And I asked her how long she planned to be in London because she was studying, visiting from the US. And she said, only five months, but I'm going to make the most of every moment. Is that how you view your life in London? Second thing. Make London your home, but not too much. Because of the transitory nature of London, do you notice how often people say, I don't know how long I'm here for. I think I may move out before long. I'm just passing through. And I understand that there's property prices and there's um, personal circumstances, family who live in other parts. But here, to a group of people who knew, God knew, and they knew, that's the point, they knew that they were not going to be in this city for very long before they went back home. God says to them, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. In other words, make your home here. Increase there, do not decrease. And this is the the tension, I think, that exists for each and every one of us. On one hand, your life in London is not an accident. So make it your home, settle here. On the other hand, this is not your real home. So don't get too attached to it. Because the New Testament says that our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who one day will come and transform our lowly bodies 
to become like his glorious body. So, yeah, don't relate to London like a tourist. Bloom where you're planted. But never forget that this is not really your home, not your true home. This is what it means to be a Christian. Peter in the New Testament says that we should live as strangers in this world, literally as a resident alien. Paul says you are an ambassador for Christ. You know what an ambassador is? Someone who lives in one country but represents another country. They've learned the language of the new country so well that they can speak it almost without an accent sometimes. They eat the same food, they walk the same streets, they send their kids to the same schools, but all the time they're representing the interests and the values of somewhere else entirely, another country. This is the tension that you live in all of the time as a Christian. That's why I have so much admiration for you. I was speaking to someone in our church community this week. She works in the area of family law. She said, it's so difficult because I meet these couples and their children. And I want to do everything I can to keep them out of court because I know that it won't be good for them and for their children. But on the other hand, I work for a company that gets money the more that people go to court. So I've got this tension. You feel it. Make London your home, but not too much. Be in it, but not of it. Uh, Don't avoid culture, but don't be culturally assimilated. Don't be intimidated by this city, but don't be overly impressed by it either. Be a resident alien. Do you think you could do that? And then the third thing, make London the best that it can be. G.K. Chesterton, in his famous book, Orthodoxy, which is over 120 years old, for reasons that you'll see in a moment. In this book, Chesterton talks about how to change the place in which we find ourselves. And he says, you can't change where you live by disapproving of it. Because that will make you just want to move out and abandon it. And nor can you change a place by approving too much of it, of like liking it too much, because that will mean that you can't see any need to change it. Chesterton says that the only way that you can change the place in which you live is by loving it, but loving with a particular kind of love. Have a look at this quote. To love it with a transcendental tie and without any earthly reason. If men love Pimlico, now, nothing against Pimlico, this is written in 1908. <laughs> but listen, if men love Pimlico as mothers love children, arbitrarily, because it's theirs, Pimlico in a year or two might be fairer than Florence. This is how cities grow great. 
Men did not love Rome because she was great. She was great because they had loved her. Here Jeremiah says, seek the priests and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for if it prospers, you too will prosper. He's saying, this city that you find yourself in, bring your whole self to it. Your entrepreneurial, enterprising, innovative, creative, persevering, determined, pouring your life out for it in everything that you do. Seek its health, its flourishing, its thriving, its well-being, the goodness of the city in which you find yourself. Do that and see it prosper and have peace. Love London into transformation. Pour out your life for London. Make London great, is what he's saying. A friend of mine moved into a neighbourhood in London just a couple of years back. And he and his wife uh, live in a cul-de-sac. And this cul-de-sac is like a close of six houses, arranged like in a semicircle at the bottom of a main road. He said that when he moved there, what he noticed was that the bins, the wheelie bins, were collected on a Friday morning. So what would happen on a Thursday night or first thing on a Friday morning, each of the residents of those six homes would come out with their wheelie bin and place it on the main road so that the bin lorry could pick it up. So they lined them all up next to each other. And then after the bins had been collected, they each came out one by one from their homes, picked up their own wheelie bin and took it to the front of their house again. And my friend thought, this is crazy. So next week, after the bins had been collected, he went out and he took his own empty wheelie bin and put it in front of his house. But then he went out again and he took each of the other five empty wheelie bins and he put them back in front of each of their houses. He said the funny thing was, after that, no one ever came out and just took back their own bin. They always took back at least one other. He said, and then people began not only to take back the empty bins, but to put out the full bins from one another's houses. And he said, in that way, community started in my neighbourhood. A few years ago, uh, when we were living in Brighton, Sam and I, an older couple moved to the church where we were. They're in their late 70s, early 80s. And they arranged to have brunch with me. They wanted to take me out to brunch. And they chose a cafe. When we arrived at this cafe, our table was on the pavement. It's a beautiful sunny day like today. And so we sat on the pavement and I ordered a blueberry pancakes. And when they came, they were stacked high, four of them, dripping with golden syrup and fresh cream. And as the waiter brought them out and put them in front of me on this table, someone walked past, because we were sitting on the pavement, you see, and he was evidently a rough sleeper. And he leaned across and he went, oh, they look good. 
I confess I may have just popped out my arm uh, to shield my blueberry pancakes. But quick as anything, the woman that I was with, she said, yes, they do, don't they? Would you like some? And she called the waiter over to bring another chair and a plate and a fork and a knife. And then she cut in half my blueberry pancakes. <laughs> you don't need all of those, do you, Archie? <laughs> so Pete, it was, his name was Pete, came and ate breakfast with us. Yeah, they're just such little things, aren't they? Wheelie bins and blueberry pancakes. But in some ways, they're also such big things. Because they're things that we can all do, or be inspired by, or help with in some way. And sure, the vision of HTB, maybe it does start in here. I mean, what Sunday is it? What should we call it? An electrical charging point? Service station? But the vision isn't the church. The vision's the city. You're never going to reach a city by growing bigger church services. It's not like out of this vast population, how many can we persuade to come to our church? I mean, that'll never change a city. Surely it's with however few or however many. Last I looked, Jesus just had 12. Filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired with his love, we're spilled out into all the places that we have been carried to. And then we come back again for more refilling and more inspiration. But the vision is out in the city. The vision is not the church. So where are you? Are you a jeweller, a gardener? Do you work in healthcare or the public sector or in the city? Do you work in education? Have you set up a charity? Do you bring up people at home? Do you have friends in your neighbourhood? C.S. Lewis was in church one day in Oxford. And after the church service finished, as he was going out of the church, his eyes were drawn to a sculpture on the church wall of a lion and some little creatures that were around it. And he went home and he began to write, inspired by what he'd just seen. And he began to write about Aslan, the lion, and Mr. Tumnus, and the chronicles of Narnia that have influenced and changed generations of children. But do you see, it was his experience of worshipping in church that inspired and fired up his imagination for society. And maybe many of these things are best done, more enjoyably done together. That's why I'm so excited about Workplace, which is our network of people who are working in all sectors of our society. Politics, stage and screen, the city, professional services, charity, healthcare, education, all coming together and learning and spurring one another on. That's why I'm excited about Love Your Neighbour, and social transformation, because it's easier to go and serve God in a prison if you're joined into an organisation that do it together. It's easier to put on a shelter for a homeless situation if you do it together. We can help mobilise that. It's easier to reach society when we do it together. That's why I'm excited about any of the teams that you might choose to join. 
kids, youth, students, production, music, cafe. But understand that the vision is not to make the church go round. The vision, even if there are things that are in the church, is to be fueled up for the life of God in our city. And is it possible? Is it possible? Absolutely it's possible. Because let me remind you that Jesus Christ left his home and came to a neighbourhood that was foreign to him. And in that neighbourhood, he poured his life out to make it the best place it that could be. He went into people's homes. He ate and drank with them. He went to their feasts and their weddings. He even turned water into wine for them. He healed the broken and lifted up the marginalised. Everywhere he went, he made it the best place that it could be. And then he gave up his whole life for us, that we would be filled with the peace of God that this world cannot give. The shalom, the word means a peace like a well-being, a sense of identity, a core sense of purpose and hope. And he filled us with that. And that is what we carry towards the evangelization of the nations, the revitalization of the church, and the transformation of society. Amen. Amen. If you're able to, would you like to stand?